hey, this, this past Wednesday, there was 12 teenagers trusted Christ as their Savior. Can we give God glory? Brother Kendrick, come on up. This is Brother Kendrick Hawkins. He is our, our, our Temple student pastor. Uh, he does an incredible, incredible job. And I want him to just, just share. Yeah, come on. Give it up. Give it up. Give it up. I want him to share just a minute of what, what God is doing, what time, and, and all that kind of stuff. Amen. I didn't know this was coming until this morning, but I'm thankful to have the opportunity to say that we meet on Wednesday nights down at the Rock from 630 to 8 o'clock for those who are 6th grade, 12th grade. And then at 8.30 to 9.30, we meet with those college-age singles, 18 to 25. And uh, we're not big on numbers, although God has blessed us with numbers because numbers are people. That's right. And uh, I'm thankful to say just this past Wednesday night, we had over 220 uh, college and middle school and high school down there at the Rock this past Wednesday night. And then Brother Malcolm's already mentioned the, uh, the joy in that number is the number of young people that were in the altars. I mean, the altars were so full of kids getting right with God that the ones who trusted Christ couldn't even come down. So we just had to minister to them uh, from where they sat, and we had at least 12 or more that raised their hand and said they trusted Christ for the first time in their life. So uh, we're about change down there, and uh, I'm not about babysitting. I'm too old to babysit, okay? If I'm I'm not in the babysitting business, I'm in the challenging young people business, and uh, if you've been down there before, you realize uh, that there's change happening because we're introducing them to Christ. I'm an imperfect leader. If you come down there, you're going to be a bunch around a bunch of uh, about around. Let's let's, 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 let's yes. Where's my interpreter? Around. Yes. <laughs> if you're around us, you realize we're imperfect people, and I just proved it right there. Okay, Amen. Imperfect people, and uh, so if you're a perfect teenager, don't even come. You'll mess it up. Amen. But if you're imperfect and you want to meet a perfect Savior, come Wednesday nights. Okay. Uh, I really believe life change is happening, so we're grateful for that and the opportunities that God's given us. Amen. 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 He, <laughs> he keeps talking like that. They're going to kick us out the Baptist group. Amen. <laughs> hey, I tell you what. I've heard people say all the time, we need something for the young people. We need something for the young people. Hey, we got it. We got it. Get them here. Get them here. The search is over. God is moving in them young people. It's not just that they're coming up here. They're going on missions trips. They're serving Jesus. They're going out in the community. They're going to nursing homes. They are serving. They are being Christ in shoe leather. Amen? And so, so get your kids here. We have an awesome Bible study in the auditorium too. Uh, so you could, you could drop them off, get them what they need, and you come in and get what you need. Amen? All right, Ezra chapter number one. I have had a great day today uh, just talking about history, talking about what has happened and what God is doing. So I want, I want to share with you just a few verses. I'll let you sit down, and then, and then we'll talk about it today, all right? Uh, verse number one, Ezra chapter number one in verse number one. Now, in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, The Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and put it also in writing, saying, Thus saith Cyrus, king of Persia, The Lord God of heaven hath given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he hath charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Who is there? Now he's speaking to the the captives, the the, the nation of Israel that's being held captive in Babylon in in his province. And he says, Who is among you? Of all his people, 
his God be with him and let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and build the house of the Lord God of Israel. I love this part. He is the God. Now, this is a heathen king, a, <coughs> an idolatrous king who bows down to false idols and false gods, but he is declaring that God is the God. Amen? Amen. It says, And whosoever remaineth in any place where he sojourneth, let the men of his place help him with silver and with gold and with goods and with beasts, beside the free will offering for the house of God that is in Jerusalem. In other words, if you go, uh, those that do not go, you need to help those that are going. It's kind of like our missions program. We cannot all go to Africa. We cannot all go to Russia. We cannot all go to China. Uh, but those that are going, we can do what we can to help them make it. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. Verse number five. Then rose up the chief of the fathers of Judah and Benjamin and the priests and the Levites with all them whose spirit God had raised to go up to build the house of the Lord, which is in Jerusalem. Father, thank you, Lord, for your blessings and your mercy. Lord, as we cover the, the, the section of history here in the word of God, I pray that we'll learn and we'll grow, we'll develop, and we'll go forward. And God, we'll thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> as you know, as you know, in your Bible bookcase, this is this is should be in your Bible. Uh, we've given them out and asked you to put them in your Bible so you'll have that handy for you. Uh, if you do not have one of these, if you do not have one of these, we've got them in the in the media center there. Uh, but on the back of it, on the back of it says, "What practical steps can you take to let the Word of Christ abide in you?" And it's got some good help there. But here is the Bible bookcase. And when we started this series, the first thing we we talked about was the law, the law, the section of the law: Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. The first five books of the Bible, which is called the Pentateuch or the Book of Moses. All right. So we covered that section, and and for the last three or four weeks, we have been in the history section from Joshua all the way to Esther, Joshua to Esther. Now, in this section here, in this section here, we have Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1st and 2nd Samuel, 1st and 2nd Kings, 1st and 2nd Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther. And what we did, we took each one and we broke them up into three different sections. And here they are. Here they are. Joshua, Judges, and Ruth, they cover the time of the judges. This is when there was no king in Israel. This is when uh, they were in the promised land. Joshua and the elders have died, but they would, God would raise up a judge to deliver them. The, the people would sin, they would mess up, they would go against God, and then they would find bondage, and God would send somebody to come and punish them. Then he would raise up a deliverer to deliver them, the time of the judges. Every man did what was right in his own eyes. Then we find the time of the kings. Samuel, Kings and Chronicles, all three, they cover the time period during the reign of the human king, when there was a human king on the throne in Israel. Do you remember? God told Samuel, don't be upset at them. They've not rejected you. They've rejected me. God set up a kingdom at Mount Sinai. He set up to be the king of Israel, but they rejected him and said, we want a human king. Well, he said, okay, you got it. Whatever you want, you can get. Here we go. And so throughout this period of time, from first Chronicle, or excuse me, first Samuel all the way to Second Chronicles, we find it started with Saul, then David, then Solomon, and then on throughout, all the way, 43 different kings. Most of them wicked, only 10 were any decent whatsoever. And at the end of it, it was ultimate 
failure. I mean epic failure. When you're dependent on man's ability, when you're dependent on man's talent, when you put your faith and your trust in man, it will always lead to destruction. Always. So, at the end of this particular section of time, at the end of the kings, we find that God allows a foreign nation, the, the, the nation of Babylon, to come in and to conquer them and to take them captive. They took the best of Israel, the best of the people, the wealthy, uh, the, 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 the intellectuals, all of the best, and they left just the poorest of the poor, and they took them, put them in chains, put them in shackles, and took them into bondage into Babylon, all right? Now, in Babylon, they stay 70 years. 70 years as a slave. 70 years in bondage. 70 years. Now, isn't it, isn't it ironic that when you walk away from God, when you, dis, you disobey the Lord and you start doing your own thing, you end up right where you started? You see, where God found them, they were in Egypt. They were slaves in Egypt. They were in bondage in Egypt. They were, listen, uh, they were not on their own in Egypt. But then when God delivered them, brought them to the promised land, and they walked away from God, they ended up as a slave. They ended up in bondage. All they did was change geography. And now here they are in Babylon. So here we find in Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther, the third section of the, the, the history portion of the Bible is the time of the captivity and the return. Uh, and, and so, let me give you a little synopsis of each book, and then I'll share with you the application points like we've been doing the last few weeks. First, we see uh, 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 Ezra. Ezra is the, is the priest. Ezra is the preacher. Ezra, when we begin reading, we find that, 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 that Cyrus... Now, you say, well, I thought they were in captivity in, the, in, in Babylon. Well, that's true. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar was the Babylonian king who went in and conquered Jerusalem and brought them into captivity. But Cyrus was the Persian king who conquered the Babylonian king. And then God put it in Cyrus's heart to send the people back home. Now, you say, what's the big deal about that? Well, it really doesn't have anything to do with the outline, but you need to understand this. Everything that goes on in this world, God is pulling the strings. I don't care what Putin's doing, God is pulling the strings. I don't care what ISIS is doing, God is pulling the strings. I don't care what Obama's doing, God is pulling the strings. He can make wicked people get his will done. I need a witness. He used Nebuchadnezzar. He, he used Nebuchadnezzar to punish them. He used Nebuchadnezzar to chastise them. He used Nebuchadnezzar to uh, discipline them. And then he used a wicked, idolatrous King Cyrus to deliver them and send them on their way. Hallelujah. It doesn't matter who's in charge. There's a king that is above them. There is a greater leader who is still on the throne. And no matter what's going on this earth, we have a king in glory. Amen. Now, now, watch this, watch this. Ezra, Ezra is the man of God who, who goes and he prepares himself. He studies and he prepares himself to bring the law to the people. Because you got to understand, they've been in bondage 70 years. There's people that have been born in 70 years period of time. 50,000 people, y'all with me? 50,000 people leave Babylon and make the journey. Some say it's about a four-month journey. 
uh, all the way to, and it's a rough journey too, by the way, a four-month journey all the way to Jerusalem. So you have 50,000 people, and some of them had never heard the law. And so God sends the preacher and says, look, you need to understand, you need to understand how you got into the shape you were in so you don't end up there again. Are y'all with me? Sometimes we get forgetful, don't we? Well, in, in, in the whole book of, of Ezra, we find that Ezra is leading the people to get right with God because if we keep reading, you'll find out that during this time of the return and, and the restoration of, of, of Jerusalem there and, the, and, the, and the, 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 the house of God, that they strayed away a little bit, started marrying and intermingling with the, the people around them, which was a, a horrible thing to do. That's what got them where they are, and they got to get that straightened out. So that's, that's Ezra. Then we find Nehemiah. Nehemiah is in uh, the palace. He's in a high position. Uh, he is, he is the, the, the cupbearer to the king. And that is a real, real high position because you are next in line. In other words, he tasted all the food before the king ate it so that in case somebody poisoned and tried to kill the king, it'd kill him first. How would you like that job? Amen. But that meant the king totally trusted him, totally had confidence in him. Isn't it amazing how God will position people in just the right places? Well, listen, Nehemiah, he, he's, 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 he's minding his own business, and, and, and he's, he's, he's listening, and he's hearing. And, and you see, the construction is supposed to have been going on in Jerusalem. He's back in Babylon. And, and, and we find visitors come from Jerusalem back home to Babylon, and he said, how's the work going? How's everything going? How, how is the, the house of God, and how are the walls, and how is the city? How's everybody doing? Is everything going great? And they say, uh-uh, it's horrible. The walls are a disaster. Everything's burnt with fire. Everybody's discouraged. Everybody's quit work because, see, they run into opposition. Everybody's quit work. Everybody's about to give up. And, boy, that burden is hard. He went to the king and said, hey, I need some help. I need some materials. I need some money. And God just orchestrated that. He went to, he went to Jerusalem, and he challenged the people. He said, see the distress that we are in? Let us rise up and build. Let us do this good work. And you know what? In 52 days, he was able to lead them to build the walls around Jerusalem and do a miraculous thing in 52 days. And, and, and this is where we find that, that verse is real popular. For the people had a mind to work. You know, it's amazing what happens when a church will put their mind to something. Amen? Amen? Now, then we move to Esther. Then we move to Esther. Esther is a real intimate story. It's a real cool story for all you romantics out there. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a story of romance and how God, God took a, a really a nobody, a captive woman who is, who is an outcast and a nobody, and he makes her. She goes from an outcast, and she becomes a queen. And she is here in the palace, and God uses her to deliver the whole, the whole Jewish race. And, and, and in a miraculous way, uh, they had an enemy named Haman, and, and Haman was trying to kill him. And, and, and she appealed to the king, and, 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 and oh, it's a great story, great story. You need, you need to go read it, all right? Church, say amen. amen. But if I get caught up now, I won't get the message, so go home and read it, amen. All right, now, here's some trivial information. It might not mean anything, but it was something that was cool to me when I was studying it, all right? You find three different sections of history, and I hope I'm not boring anybody. I'll get to preaching in a minute. I'm just, just anyway, uh, 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 three different sections in history, the time of the judges, the time of the kings, and the time of captivity. Now, watch this. In the time of the judges, these three books, Joshua, Judges, and, come on, y'all, y'all supposed to be learning this, 
Joshua, Judges, and Ruth. All right? She's the first book of the Bible, first book of the Bible named after a woman. There's only two. Joshua, Judges, and All right? Then you go to the time of the captivity. Then you have Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther. That's number two. All right? Named after a woman? Named after a woman. Watch this. Joshua, Judges, and Ruth talk about the time of the judges. Ruth, the book of Ruth, is an intimate picture, portrait of what was going on during the time. It was a real-life story of what was going on during the time of the judges. Over here, guess what? Esther is an intimate portrait of a real family of the things that were going on during the time of the captivity. Say amen. That may mean nothing, but it was cool when I saw it. Amen. Isn't it amazing how God just puts stuff in place and you see that God not only shows you the nation, he shows you that God is not just a God of y'all. He's a God of you. He's not just a God of Israel. He's a God of Ruth. He's not just a God of the Jews in captivity. He's a God of Esther. And this, hallelujah. And the same God, who's the God of the universe, was waiting on me when I woke up this morning to hear me breathe and to hear me sing and to hear me praise. He's a personal God. Say amen right there. That is so awesome. That is so awesome. Anyway, all right, here's, here's, the, here's the outline. This is what I want you to write down. This is what I saw in all three of these books, Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther. First, and, and I'm really going to do this this way. I want to talk about three people that stand out in, these, in this section of the Bible, all right? First, number one, if you're taking notes, write this down. First, I want you to see the Lord. Write that down. The Lord. Who stands out in these three books? The Lord. More than anything. The Lord. Who spoke to Cyrus and said, go build my house? The Lord. Who moved in the heart of Nehemiah? The Lord. Who, who, who moved Esther from a place of obscurity all the way to the palace so she could be an influence on the king and deliver the Jewish nation? It was the Lord. And I, I, you got to get this. The nation of Israel was not in bondage because they were selling Girl Scout cookies. They were in bondage because of wickedness. They were in bondage because of disobedience. They were in bondage because of idolatry. In other words, they had turned their back on the God who delivered them, on the God who saved them, on the God who provided for them, on the God who protected them. They walked away from God, and because of that, God had to chastise them. God had to send them into bondage. God had to send them into slavery. God had to discipline them. And, 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 and even then, God's mind was still on them. Even then, even in their disobedience, even in their failure, even in their stupidity, God still had a plan. I don't know about you. You perfect people, you won't get nothing out of this. But you people like me who's made mistakes in your life and you've got failures in your life and you've got disappointments in your life and you've got things ashamed of in your life and you've got closets all over the place that you don't want nobody looking into. Ain't nobody in here running for president. Say amen. 
and you got issues in your life, oh, I thank God that he still has a plan for my life. He still has something for me to do. He still, he can take my mess up. He can take my failure. Even though Peter denied him three times at that night and he went out and wept bitterly, God used him in a glorious way because my failure doesn't determine my future because even in my stupidity, God's got a plan. God's got a plan. And you know what? You know what? I wanted to bring this to you. I wanted to bring this to you and speak to every single one of you and say, listen, don't think somebody's better than you. Don't think somebody, listen, that God, he likes somebody more than you. Because the Bible says God is no respecter of persons. Now, I know we probably won't admit this. But sometimes we probably, we may not have said it, and we may not have really thought it, but we, we thought, uh, you know, God likes him more than me. I, I, I would go, when I went to Bible college, when I went to Bible college, and you got to understand, I come from a real small church, small church. And, 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 and when I went to Bible college, it was huge. I mean, to me it was. I mean, it, it's like I thought we was going in the Houston Astrodome. I'm serious. I mean, it was like, whoo, and I would see it. And they had a big choir, and son, they'd get it on. And it was, it was, it was, it was Southern gospel with a kick. Say amen. I mean, it was Southern gospel with people that love Jesus. And, and you can have Southern gospel, and it get on. And, and they can be Southern gospel, and they don't even know where to switch is. Amen. But, but this place, they was singing, son. I mean, they'd get it on. It was an exciting place to be. And man, I'd look at all that. I'd sit in that pew, and I, I was 18 years old, just turned 18 years old. And man, I'd look, and I, honest to God, this is what I thought. Boy, this is for special people. <laughs> and I'd look around and thought, wow. Because in my head, I thought I couldn't rise to the occasion. And what God was doing was just giggling. Because in his heart, he was saying, son, you ain't seen nothing yet. And all those people that think that's what they deserve and that's what they, you ain't never going to see it. It's always the old shepherd sitting behind the field. Anyway, I wanted to come share with all of you that God's got a plan for your life. And he does. He does. It's not just preachers. It's not just missionaries. It's not just Sunday school teachers. It's not just staff people. God has got a plan for every single person's life. And I really wanted to push that issue. And I wanted you to be excited. And I, I wanted you to be encouraged that, hey, even if I failed, God's still got a plan. Even if I'm not where I'm supposed to be, God can get me where I need to be. You know, and all that's true. And, and I wouldn't miss the mark by far by just stopping there. But God wanted me to do more. Now stick with me, stay with me, stay with me. God said, that's not the deal. Even though all of that is true, you're missing the target. You can hit the target but not hit the bullseye. I said, God, what's the bullseye? And this is what he said. Look in chapter number one. Look in chapter number one. We're talking about God's plan. We're talking about God's plan. Look at verse number two. Chapter one, verse number two. Thus saith Cyrus, king of Persia, the Lord God of heaven hath given me all the kingdoms of the earth. That's a pretty good plan. Say amen. And he hath charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. 
Now watch, and don't let nothing distract you. Stay, stay focused, stay focused. In, in applying this and in preaching this, I wanted to say, look here. They're in captivity, they're in slavery, they're in bondage, but God has got a plan. God wants to return the people. God wants to bring the people back to a place of milk and honey, back to the promised land. God wants to bring them back to liberty. God wants to bring them back to freedom. God wants to bring them back to blessing. But that wasn't the sole purpose. Now, that's what all the churches in America, I say all, most churches, the, the prosperity churches, that's all they want to talk about. God wants you to be happy. God wants you to be comfortable. God wants you to be pleased. God wants you at ease. That's not the purpose. God says it's time to go build my house. And the plan was not simply so they could be in freedom, so they could be in liberty. He was liber <laughs> Hallelujah. He was liberating them and delivering them so they could go and build the house. Now, why is it so important to build the house? It is in the house where the glory of God resided. And God wanted this world to know that there is a God in heaven who sees down and looks upon the affairs of man. And he's not a wooden statue. He's not a golden statue. He's not the figment of somebody's imagination. He is a real power. He's a real entity. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's the God of David and Goliath. He's the God of Jericho. He's the God of the Red Sea. He's the God of the man of heaven. He's the God of the water from the rock. Somebody's Say amen today. And do you know the plan of God? The plan of God is not for your comfort. It is for his glory. And we have missed it. Somewhere along the line, we have made this idea or come up with this thought process that God's happy if I'm happy. And the only thing that makes him happy is if I'm happy. Ladies and gentlemen, that's a lie out of hell. God put you on this earth to bring him glory. It says whether you eat or whether you drink, do all to the glory of God. Everything you say, everything you do, everything in your life is to bring honor and glory unto him. And you know what? We've got people today that's trying to make their life comfortable. They're buying things and they're doing things and they're going places and they're giving up this and they're giving up that and they're quitting this and they're quitting that and they're quitting service and everything else, trying to make their life comfortable and trying to make it more at ease and they're more miserable today than they've ever been. You know why? Because the Bible says this, they that save their life shall lose it. But they that give up their life for me, they shall find it. I've found out this in my life. The more I give up for him, the more I receive. The more I spend time for him, the more he gives to me. And I'm here to tell you, if you're living your life for yourself, if you're living your life for your own desires, if you're living your life for your own dreams, you've totally missed it. It is for the glory of God. And if your life is not bringing glory to God, you'll never be happy. You'll never be satisfied. Oh, it's to bring glory to him. Let me translate. Let me translate. <coughs> we, we're, we talk Christianese sometimes, don't we? In, in, in language that, 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 you know, people that are not Christians don't understand. What does it mean to glorify? What do you mean glorify him? What in the world does that mean? Here's what it means. Make him look good. 
Are you living your life in such a way it makes him look good? What would, what would building that house do? It'd make him look good. All right, when somebody does you wrong and you forgive them, you just made God look good. When you go through a difficulty, when you go through a tragedy, and you're not wigging out, and you're not popping pills, and you're not calling everybody, and you're not wanting to throw in the towel, you're just trusting God and saying, God, I know you've got this. I know you can get me through this. Lord, I'm going to believe you. I'm going to trust you anyhow. And you'll say like Job, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. I know my Redeemer liveth. And though, listen, the skin worms destroy this body of mine, yet in my flesh I shall see God. I don't know what's happening, and I don't know why it's happening, but there's a God in heaven who loves me, and I I'm going to trust in him. You know what he did? He just made God look good. Somebody cuts you off in traffic? Mm-hmm. Did you say, bless your heart? <laughs> did you make God look good or did you make you look bad? Let's just be real. Are the decisions we making in life, are, are they making God look good? You know what? I, I, I heard a preacher say this one time. I heard a preacher say this one time. Boy, it just, it just, you know one of them aha moments? He was preaching, and he said, he said, this community doesn't need to see what you're doing for God. I thought, well, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. They need to see what we're doing for God. But I kept listening. He said this community needs to see what God is doing for you. I thought, you say, what's the difference? If this community sees what we're doing for God, guess who they'll praise? The church. Look what they're they're doing for God. But if stuff starts happening around here that only God can do, kind of like what's happening around here, they'll say, Lord, what a God. Why do you think? <laughs> why, why do you think? God took an old redneck preacher who ain't got enough sense to get out the rain. They would rather be in the woods coon hunting or petting his pet chicken. <laughs> Look around. You're the third go around. There are preachers in America that would give their right foot to have this section. And this is the third go around. I had a, I had a preacher call this week. He said, uh, he said, how many of y'all got coming on Wednesday night? And I told him. He just got quiet. He said, what do you attribute that to? That's what he said. What do you attribute that to? I said, God, I don't know. I don't have a clue. 
I said, if I did, it wouldn't be God. What's the point? Why do you think God sent David down in the valley instead of some big, strong soldier? Saul was a head taller than everybody. Saul was the king. Saul was carrying the armor. Saul had the big sword. But God said, nuh-uh. Hey, David. Hey, runt. Hey, you little squirt. This is how, this is how, we'll never get to point two and three, so let's just enjoy point one, all right? <clears throat> hey, look here. This is how they describe Goliath. This is how they describe Goliath. He's been, now watch now, he's been a man of war since his youth. That means he's been fighting ever since he's a little fella. And now he's a grown fella. He has got an attitude. He's nine and a half foot tall. And he's cussing God up a blue streak. God says, one minute. Hey! Y'all just stay seated. Hey! And when man saw David, they said, you're just a youth. Hey, and David said, don't sweat it, bro. He said, I'm not going down there by myself. I'm going, I'm going down there in the name of the Lord. And you need to understand something. Everybody up on this hill that's scared to death. And everybody on that other hill, the Philistines, who's arrogant and running their mouth, it's over. Because God's going to show there's a real God in Israel. David goes walking down in that back. Are y'all okay? Y'all okay? I'm running a rabbit, but I'm going to run it till it holds. Amen. I've been preaching all day, and I'm about to lose my voice, but I'm, I'm having a good time right now. Amen. And I got just a few more minutes. Amen. David comes down into that valley, and here comes that giant. And it really, it really offended Goliath. It did. I mean, if you read it and study it, it offended him. Are you serious? Is this the best you got to offer? Is this, is it, and everybody in the Israeli camp, they're scared to death. They're all, they're all waiting for David to be decapitated in this valley. Is this the best you got are you serious? I'm going to feed your flesh to the fowls of the air. And the whole time, David's looking for a rock. <clears throat> I'll be with you in just a minute. Y'all know how many stones he got? Five smooth stones. I thought he's afraid he's going to miss. But then I learned later that Goliath had four brothers. He said, I got one for you. I got one for Henry. I got one for Leroy. I said, call your whole family. Come on down. Yeah. 
God said, sick him, boy. Y'all know what happened? He threw that rock, hit him in the only place. Do y'all get this? The only place on his body that wasn't shielded. Bam! (laughs) And he fell. Now, if I hit, you want to reenact this, Brother brother Buchanan? No, no, we won't. (laughs) We better not because I'm feeling pretty good right now. (laughs) Amen. I don't know what's in that cough drop, but I'm going to eat another one. Amen. (laughs) Amen. Hey, they slung that rock. He slung that rock, and it hit him. Now, if I hit you in the forehead, which way are you going? That ain't which way he went. Because I believe God had his hand behind his head. So he sent it on. And I believe he got his other hand behind that rock and went, wham. Wham. He fell forward. He fell forward, and David came and took his own sword. And y'all know the rest. Why'd they do that? Because the only one that got credit, or the only way possible this could be done, God had to do it. Are y'all with me? God is about his own glory. And, and the reason you're having to do what you do, and it's difficult, is because God wants to get glory out of it. And if you can do it, you'll get the credit. But if God leads you to a place, only he can do it. Write this down. This just the, the second one. And, I, and, I, and I'll just say it and you, we'll, we'll stand. Matter of fact, go ahead and find that piano and, and we'll, we'll go ahead. That way they'll think we're ending this thing, all right? <laughs> Watch this. In all three of those books, you see the Lord big time and the Lord having a plan. But the second thing you see is the devil. In all three of these books, right when God moved, the devil moved. And the reason I didn't want to dismiss this without telling you this, if you attempt something for God, understand the devil's going to be right behind him. Because with great opportunity, say this with me, with great opportunity comes great opposition. Say that with me. With great opportunity comes great opposition. And if you're going through a difficult time, it may not be because you're doing something wrong. It may be because you're doing something right. But don't worry. God's going to bring you through. It may look like a giant in front of you, but I promise you, it's not your hand on the sling that's going to get it done. It's God's power and touch on your life. Can we give God praise and glory? Let's stand. Let's stand. Everyone stand. Father, thank you, Lord, for your blessings. Thank you for the opportunity to come and share with everyone that you've got a plan for our life. It's not for our comfort. It's, It's not for our ease. It's not so we can kick back and take it easy. Lord, it's so we can glorify your name, so we can serve you, so we can live for you, so we can sacrifice for you, so we can be busy for you and bring glory and honor to you. God, I pray that every person in this room gets that. I pray they all receive this message and believe and trust in your name.
God, I pray that your will be done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you're here today and you're not saved, it'd be a tragedy to leave this service and not know Jesus as your Savior. We've got people all the way across this altar who's got a Bible in their hand. All, listen, every one of them, it'd be a privilege and an honor for them to take a Bible and show you how to be saved. All you got to do is be willing to come. We're going to sing a verse of invitation if you need to come. And listen, if you're, being, if you're going to be baptized this morning, if you come for baptism and you're a lady, if you'll see my right, all the way to the right, Miss Tracy's over there by the door. She will assist you and help you there if you're coming for baptism. If you're, coming, if you're a gentleman and you're coming for baptism, if you'll see Brother Shane, he's over to my left, and he will help you as we sing, as we sing. Help us as we sing. Without him, Without him I, I could do nothing.